future. We're talking real money. Well, hello again and welcome to another daily dose of talking real money. I am Don McDonald. Glad you could spend a little time with me today. Glad you're there. And as ev- as is every day, the case every day, we're going to talk about a subject. We're going to take a call or take a question from those that are sent in to us. As long as you call us with them at 855-935-TALK. Of course, you have to call questions in for me to answer them on the podcast. 855-935-8255. And then we're going to define something. That's pretty much the flow of the show, the podcast. It can change a little, but that's how it works. Today, I want to talk about a headline, a headline that I saw at some Bitcoin site. I think it was Bitcoin.com or Bitcoin.org or one of those. Here was the headline. Current crypto bear market set to become the longest ever. <laughs> it's It sounds, sounds historical, doesn't it? But how historical can cryptocurrencies be? And by cryptocurrencies, of course, when we talk about cryptocurrencies, we're mainly talking about Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the granddaddy of all the cryptocurrencies. It's the big guy. It started, though, it seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? It started in January. The very first Bitcoin was mined online in January of 2009. Do the math. That's 10 years or 120 months. So let's talk about those months and for how many of those months the price of Bitcoin was below the previous high that it reached. And I went back and researched it. So this business about the current bear market about to become the longest ever, eh, kind of a spurious claim. But again, it's all relative, isn't it? In April of 2011, from January of 2009 till April of 2011, Bitcoin gradually increased in value until it reached $18 a Bitcoin. Then it fell, and it didn't recover back to $18 for another 21 months. That was in January of 2013. Then it was off to the races again, got to $1,100 a Bitcoin by late November of 2013 that was just 10 months later moves up really fast getting back to where it was is pretty slow then from there the price stayed down for more than three years as a matter of fact about 40 months until it got to 1100 again in april of 2017 okay so we got back to where we were over three years ago Then, in an eight-month period, Bitcoin went from $1,100 to $19,000 and change in December of 2017. Remember that? The big Bitcoin bubble? And it was a big old Bitcoin bubble because it quickly plunged and remains right now almost $1,600 per Bitcoin below the 2017 high. And that's 13 months later. It's not even looking like it's going to get back to its previous high. I don't know. I, I don't predict the future. But according to my calculations, Bitcoin has been in negative territory for more than 70 of those 120 months it has been in existence. You do the math. It's been down more than it's been up. 
How does that compare to stocks? Well, the nice thing about stocks is we have well over 100 years of data to look back at. And recently, Mark Hulbert crunched that data, and he found that using the same measurement, how long did it take stocks to recover from their high back to that high again after a decline? Well, stocks have been down 115 out of the 1,400 months since 1900 recovering from market declines. That's incredible. <laughs> it's just, there's no comparison. It's less than 10%. So I, I beg you, why are you doing this? Stop playing. This is, cryptocurrencies are a game. Bitcoin is a game. They're all a game, but they're a game. They're a make-believe electronic game, something with absolutely no value until you decide to give it value by playing with your real money, by giving somebody your real money for these things. It's not real until you make it real, and even then, it can be really devastating. 855-935-TALK is the number here, 855-935-8255. Love to answer your questions that you call in. Just call that number. Leave a question any time the Spirit moves you, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 855-935-TALK, and I'll answer them on the daily podcast like I'm going to do right now. Hello. Um I'm 65 years old. Um, I've had some investments over the years, but now I, I just have some money in, um, in a savings account because I haven't been sure where I should place some of my money. So I'm thinking that I would look towards Vanguard Mutual Funds. Um, I, I'm not going to retire probably sometime between age 66 and 70. I might work till I'm 70. I'm not sure. but And so I have about close to $100,000 that I'm not sure where to put. Um, so I was going to look in Vanguard Mutual Funds. Um, you know, I, I'd like to keep as much as a, of it, so I don't want something that's real risky. But I'd like to have some um, some suggestions, please. Well, Cindy, now you didn't exactly tell me why you're in savings. I'm hoping it's just because you don't know what else to do and not because you thought stock prices got too high and you decided to sit it out. You cannot, though, Cindy, you can't make money on your money unless you're willing to take some risk. You cannot have a 100% safe investment, can't go down, gives you liquidity, all the things that everybody wants that's going to make you money. It's just not going to happen. After inflation, you are going to be upside down if you want absolute safety. So now the trick becomes finding the correct level of risk for you. And that's why I put up a risk quiz, R-I-S-Q-U-I-Z, one word, risk quiz, at TalkingRealMoney.com. Click on that. Take that quick risk quiz. It's a few minutes. Find out what your risk tolerance is before you start investing. And I'm sure your risk tolerance is not for 100% in equity, so I would absolutely not suggest you do that. But it may be that you can tolerate a loss of 10% in a year. Well, if that's the case, you know, if you can do that, you can probably have 20% of your money 
in a Vanguard fund like VTWSX, the Vanguard Total World Stock Index Fund, so that you're exposed to some riskier asset classes that have the potential to grow and have historically grown over long periods of time. Then I would suggest for simplicity's sake that you put the rest either in an intermediate term government bond fund or in the Vanguard Total Bond Index Fund or something like that. But you're going to need to have some money in those more aggressive securities if you have any hope of actually making money on the money. And the more you put into equities, the better your chances of making money, but also you'll have to suffer through some volatility, and you need to know for a fact that you will do just that. 855-935-TALK. That's our number, 855-935-8255. Call anytime. Literally, call anytime. Leave a message. And now we're going to get to our word slash concept of the day on Talking Real Money. And because of the way we began the show, I am bravely going to tackle trying to explain what the heck a cryptocurrency is for those of you who intelligently don't have anything to do with the silly things. Let's see. (laughs) A cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, it is considered a digital media medium of exchange it's a a, like a dollar or a euro or a a a peso it's a medium of exchange you can trade somebody a bitcoin for something maybe not everything but you can probably trade it for something drugs guns that kind of stuff generally crime but of course i get in trouble with the crypto guys when i accuse them of being criminals i'm not saying you're a criminal i'm just saying that one of the big uses for bitcoin because it's anonymous that's another thing about it is crime there is no central government bank looking over the these digital currencies no central banking system And the way they can do that without having anybody in charge of the cryptocurrency is through a thing called blockchain. The blockchain, and I am no tech geek, although I love my technology, it's a ledger. It's a way of keeping track of things on an electronic ledger that is distributed. That's why it's called a distributed ledger. It's distributed on tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of computers all over the world. That's actually the way that people earn cryptocurrencies is by using their lending their computer power to the network to process these very complicated algorithms that verify people's identity and keep track of the bitcoins as they move around the world. Uh, they they are they're they're an entry on an electronic sheet like banking at your bank really is these days but the only problem is that cryptocurrencies are not an accepted mass mass accepted form of currency you cannot go to the grocery store in most cases and say i want to put that i want to pay with the cryptocurrencies you can't go to the irs and say i want to pay my taxes with cryptocurrencies you can't do a lot of things with them because they they are not universally accepted and another problem is they don't have any kind of stable pricing because there's nothing backing them except nothing backing them i shouldn't even say except there's nothing nothing backs them now just a little bit of history 
Uh, Bitcoin, as I mentioned earlier, was started in 2009. A paper was written up, and uh, some guy, we don't know who it is, or gal, there's a fake name, Nakamoto, but they created a cryptographic algorithm that was the backbone of this decentralized ledger system, this blockchain system. Blockchain, it has all kinds of potential uses. It really does. Uh, Maybe even government treasuries will start using blockchain someday. It it might just happen. But for now, I don't know. I I wouldn't touch them with a 10-foot pole. And I've, I've looked at almost every kind of investment known to mankind over the many years I've been doing this. I I. But that's what they are, basically. You can learn a lot more online, but I don't know why you'd want to. Well, if you have a question about anything, including cryptocurrencies, give me a call, 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Anytime, just leave your question. And thanks for listening. And by the way, I've redone Talking Real Money a little bit. We now have at the top of the page the hot buttons. Literally, they're hot buttons. They're the buttons that are about things we've talked about. Uh, So check those out. Got the Jordan Goodman podcasts up there. The reason I put those up there is, in fact, I just got off the phone with Ron Lieber at the New York Times just a second ago. And uh, they're doing a story on Jordan Goodman. So I thought I'd put the podcast right where you can find it and all kinds of other good stuff. The risk quiz that we just talked about. uh, You can set up an appointment with an advisor. If you want to talk to somebody, we're not going to pressure you to buy anything. We just like helping. We just like teaching. That's what this show's about. That's what my work's been about for a long time. If you like what you hear, please tell a friend, subscribe to the podcast, particularly through Apple podcasts. It really helps. And if you uh, if if you feel you've got something to share, review it. Thanks so much for being there. I'm Don McDonald. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That should keep the lawyers happy.